Hello, my name is Dylan, and this is the Heroes of Reality podcast, a place where I interview heroes of reality, of life, science, technology, and more, and I share the stories, lessons, journeys, inspiring you to be the hero of your reality. And on today's episode, I interview Vax Sambath, investor and serial entrepreneur. He helped build Creator IQ from its infancy stages to becoming one of the leading SaaS global enterprise influencer marketing platforms with some of the largest brands as clients like Disney, Fox, Amazon, and Dell. Vac led product development, design, user experience, and customer acquisition. He's got more than 20 years of entrepreneurial and startup experience under his belt. He has a proven track record to help consumer-facing products scale from ideas to growth stages and beyond. He became a leading pioneer in networking equipment industry by automating network hardware installations for small medium businesses. Uh, he left that space to get into the social space by acquiring an urban social site. And by utilizing his unique set of skills, he helped grow that platform from a few hundred thousand to five million users, making it one of the largest trafficked urban dating sites in the US. And he continues on to build and develop his skills and superpowers. In this episode, we talk about what does it take to be an entrepreneur, the psychological conditions of those entrepreneurs, and what is the real holy grail as an entrepreneur? What do you believe it is? And once you get there, what does it morph into from there on? And so I am very thrilled and excited to introduce my friend and buddy, Zach Sambat. So am I going to continue? Feels yeah. So to, okay, so to repeat what you just said, just in terms of the entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. So I'm looking at uh, your studio and the Superman's journey. Mm-hmm. I would say most entrepreneurs' journeys are like that. So I, I, you know, without naming any names, I was actually in an earlier meeting, like mm-hmm. with a friend of mine, uh, you know, that has, you know, his own set of like kind of journeys, mm-hmm. you know, that, that he's morphed into, you know, a different individual every single time at that stage, you know, of challenge with, with his entre- you know, entrepreneurial life. I think for myself, God, I mean, sometimes I, I wake up like, like many entrepreneurs. Yeah. You just ask yourself, what am I doing? You know? Um, and like, I don't think there's there's a really good answer for what you're doing except I think we talked about this the last time we spoke mm. which is you've, you've got to be crazy there is you need to have some sort of crazy drive because if you're just doing this only when the times are good so often does it kick you in the wherever it stops you right so you need to have some sort of drive that keeps you going in some sort of crazy mindset so but what is crazy though I, 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 you know, I mean like I say this because I ask myself this question every single day because the mindset of an entrepreneur um, is all over the map. There's no written script. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I, we mentioned about this, like where I mean, try to understand, like you know, these you know infamous guys like the Steve Jobs, like their mindset, or the mm-hmm. Elon Musk's of the world, or uh, the Jack Ma. But then when you look at in the reality of things, is like you know. All entrepreneurs that are fighting the good fight, Mm -hmm. you know, are they really sane people? Well, you need to have some sort of... At what cost? That's that's the thing. Well, that's... Yeah, I completely agree. that you need to be willing to sacrifice something. There's some sort of sacrifice that generally happens. Generally, you don't wake up and go, everything's comfortable and cozy. And I'm just going to get up and everything's going to be easy and everything's going to be comfortable. And I'm just going to do what's normal. But that's, that's normal, people. That's why we... 
we do have a tendency to do a bit of hero worship because we know that those people are extraordinary in some way, shape, or form. And usually there's some sort of internal or external driving force, right? Either a psychological condition mm-hmm. or external environments that really drive them to yeah. be something different. I mean, you know about like the, the origins of Elong and how rough he had it as a childhood. Like he had a rough childhood growing up and that kind of, I think, forged him into who he is. Yeah, but my, how many people stop and think about people's childhood, you know, versus, you know, how they became successful because you have to kind of separate the two, right? Mm-hmm. Do you blame the childhood experience or do you attribute the childhood experience? I, I don't know, dude. Yeah, it's. I think it's one of, one of the things that, you know, a lot of times you, you use, the, is it a crutch or is it a cape? What does it turn into for you? How do you how do you leverage your past experiences? And it's all about the the lens that you you frame it right. So if you look at your child and say, "Woe is me," I you know I had it so hard, so I don't you know I blame the world and I'm, I'm becoming a victim. You don't show up, right? Right? Or do you say I'm using that as strength to move forward because I've survived that, so I can survive more? Right? I think the hero's characteristics, in my opinion, is more about. When you're going through this journey, it's how you embellish or even relish what you've conquered. Mm. Right? Because, yeah, like all of us have different, again, experiences, you know, challenges, etc. But like for someone like myself, you know, like who failed many times, I'll be the first to admit, you know, um, that I, what, dude, what does it look like to 90% or more more than 90% fail? It's the worst feeling ever, dude. I completely agree, but usually the for me at least, the more painful the lesson, the the more you get out of it, right? Those those times that you have the the hardest hits and you sit around and go, "Okay, what happened? Let's take a deep breath and let's figure out how to get better from this." Those have been the most impactful to me. Um, would you mind sharing with us uh what are some of those painful lessons that you've learned and what were some of the takeaways that, that gave you the most experience points? Oh, man. Um, There's so many. I think one of the first ones was when I started my first company uh, back then, um, it was uh, Med Mania, which was uh, an online educational site for pre-meds. Mm. Um, you know, like I raised uh, a lot of friends and family money. Um, and you know in particular like uh, you know they were mostly friends and family Mm -hmm. and it was my first time you know to be honest with you playing entrepreneur playing CEO no experience didn't have a you know a men like a day to day mentor really and then you know like I was just doing things like I wouldn't say on the fly but just thinking of everything to survive. I mean, doing mm-hmm. every which way to survive. So so I pitched you know, my investors, you know, on the, you know, we're gonna become like the first online educational site for pre-meds. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like, like most entrepreneurs, I saw another shiny object. Let's morph into not just pre-meds, how about every student, right? Mm-hmm. So then we ter- uh, turn it into, uh, an online educational site for students on campus that need tutoring. Um, and then, you know, I was like, well, 
uh, I need to make money because I think this online educational thing was going to take a bit of time to, to make money because it was so early. Like I, I'd probably say this was like 2000, uh, 2006, 2007, way before the Corsair and Udemy's of the world. Yeah. I know. Um, and then, uh, just because it, you know it's, it's fight or fight, like I just I needed some other way to um, uh, to make money, mm-hmm. and then you know like all entrepreneurs, you know like, like you're seeking opportunities. So so one of my buddies at the company said, "Hey, Vac, there is this this online dating site that's got crazy traffic, but the site seems to be going you know down mm-hmm. like pretty often. Maybe it's because like they have a lot of traffic." So we reached out to the individual. Uh, that was running the site, you know, and you know, at the time, everyone was using Alexa, which is the, the online ra- uh, website rating, right? Which tells you like how, how much traffic you've got. Uh, this is before compete and quantcast. Yeah, yeah. So we looked at that, you know, like you know, at their numbers, we're like wow. I mean, this is one guy running it, and his site, I'd probably say on Alexa was ranked maybe uh, worldwide. I think it was worldwide number twenty three thousand. Wow. If you, if you look at that's huge. Huge. Anyways, we, we reached out to the guy, and then uh, we negotiated a, a deal with him uh, to basically take over his operations. We'll, we'll pro- you know, we'll provide provide him with uh, in kind uh, cash out front, mm-hmm. and then we did a, a revenue split. And this is the first time I've, I've actually told the story publicly. Anyways, um, so we did like a revenue split with him. Uh, so we we would run it. Um, so we grew the site from price at the time maybe I think it was either three hundred thousand or or half a million to like several million you know in less than a year wow of users and that went from pre med education <clears throat> to overall education to online dating app to did it, did it continue to morph or did you just take it and run with it from there <laughs> well okay so so. There is where like I just like I'll be able to answer your question. That was my first opportunity mm-hmm. uh, to be able to sell that company. So I acquired it within a year. We actually um, was talking to a company uh, a company that was really big, like in the um, niche market online dating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Christian Singles Meet, et cetera. You know, and th- those who know the company would know who the owners were. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, we were in negotiations uh, to have this property that I was only running for less than a year, you know, and we grew to I think like the top fifty or something like that site in the country in terms uh, of online dating. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so I think we had like three hundred million page views a month. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so I mean, yeah, the metrics were insane, right? So anyways, um, you know, we hired some investment bankers uh, mm-hmm. to to value uh, uh, like our site. And, you know, it, it came out to single digit millions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, you know, how much I spent up front was only like 100K up front. Wow. You know, in, in less than a year, like, like I had an offer. So you acquired for 100K and a year later it was worth single digit millions. Mm-hmm. But I wanted more. Oh, <laughs> I was like, no, I'm on my way up, moving on up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, um, you know, the bankers like that we hired said, you know, it's worth more than they're offering. Mm-hmm. Um, you should hold out. We listened, mm-hmm. um, and then you know, this was right around during uh, uh, in the middle of the recession, like the 2008 crash, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, at the time, we were doing about maybe 
from our um, ad sales um, uh, outsource agents, mm-hmm. we were doing about a quarter million a month. Wow. Wow. And ad sales. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So you held out. You're making more revenue. Yeah. You're, you're going to be on top. You're going to hit number one on Alexa. What happened? I wouldn't say number one, Alexa. You know, but <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like these are all projections and stuff, you know. Yeah. But like because of the 2008, uh, I mean, like we use that, you know, like as part of part of our leverage, and you know, when the I, I remember clearly, I mean, like right around November, to, like late November, like 2008, uh, when everything just went downhill, all of our contracts for those pre, uh, predicted uh, projected sales all canceled out. Wow. And everything went downhill from there. So it was my first time that like I could have had an exit and just didn't. Because, you know, like I wasn't, you know, savvy enough to, to say, hey, Vac, you need to exit out of this one. So talk to me about the moment when you realize that you're not going to be able to sell this. And I mean, what's what's going on in your head? What are you what are you telling yourself? And then what convinces you to step back <clears throat> up to the plate? So when everything went downhill, like all I was focused on was basically, I how do I even try to salvage this? You just couldn't, mm-hmm. because I mean, you know, when the whole market—not you—the whole market is just dying. I mean, people were just falling like off the radar left. I mean, like you know, you know, jobs, you know, unemployment. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, and then here you're trying to help people, you know, keep their jobs because you know they. They've sacrificed a lot of their lives, you know, uh, to your entrepreneurial vision. Mm-hmm. The whole world's on your is on your back, like there, you know, at that moment. And then, the only thing that you can do, I mean, is try your best, right? You know, uh, try to come up with new ways to generate revenue, mm-hmm. right? You know, because all, all of your ad buyers, you know, who were doing like the page takeovers, they're gone. All that kaput. I mean, shit. I mean, like I remember uh, when it was like a thousand bucks a CPM, like on the page takeover. Wow, dude! Like for the for the yeah, cover page yeah. when you go to a landing page, yeah, it's a thousand bucks a CPM. Yeah. Explain what a CPM is. So, so cost per million or cost per thousand. Mm-hmm. So, for every one thousand impression, right? That's what you get paid for. Yeah. So, you know, typically it's like you know five bucks or ten bucks, you know, or again, depending on, like like on the ads and mm-hmm. themselves, right? But at the time, like MySpace, you know, created uh, this uh, this thing like where these. You know your website, your .com, your your root domain mm-hmm. uh, page takeover. Those are huge real estate, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, like we would do like movie banners. Yeah, yeah, those are like a thousand bucks a CBM. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, wow. a dollar per impression, dude. That's incredible. Yeah. So you, you so we lost the deal. You lost, <laughs> you lost the deal. You mm-hmm. lost the. Did you? I mean, was it was it a fire sale? Did you just did you just like let go of the thing and it just just vanished? Just, just vanished. I mean, like over time by itself or whatever, you know. Um, and then that was, that that was as an entrepreneur one of my darkest moments. Yeah. Where I was like, you know, so I lost, you know, my investors' money, my parents, my friends, um, and you know, like any semblance of friends like that I had at the time. I know one was there. Um, I, you know, like I went to a cave like everybody else. You know, like when you. Um, are talking up, you know, what you've been doing, and, yeah. you know, and, you know, and how good, great it looks, and then all of a sudden, poof. And I mean, yeah, like I was in hiding. So, um, I, was, 
I was in that little corner in, in my own room, didn't talk to anybody, for, I'd probably say for about a year. Yeah. And then like how I kind of like relived and, and kind of created you know, like a rebirth of VAC. Yeah. Well, uh, actually, I mean, was when like I uh, started reaching out to the OC community and, you know, you know, I, I said like I wanted a fresh start. Mm-hmm. And that's when, like I said, you know what, I'm going to turn my failures into someone else's success. I, it, it sounds very cliche-ish, mm-hmm. but I mean, like sometimes, I mean, like you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You know, you, you see what people ha- have done. You think, you know what, maybe someone uh, can can benefit like out of your losses. So I try to teach that. So that's when, um, you know, it's just like I, I started doing the meetups. Oh. And that's how, like, I met all you guys okay. at, the, at the meetups. You know, it was during the time, like, where I said, you know what? There's a better medium for me uh, to meet people and, to, and talk to, me, to people and share them, like, my experiences. Um, versus, you know, going to the same product that I was used to in L.A. where, you know, we were building, like, the L.A. tech community at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I wanted, you know, an area where no one really knew me. Yeah. So that way I could start fresh. Fresh start, but lessons of the path that you can apply in, in a healthy way and mm-hmm. in, in, in a way that you could help grow mm-hmm. and it's funny because I've known you for all this time I've never heard that story and I've never knew what can I only I only knew as the, the, the gentleman who's putting on the events teaching lessons giving them insights and really showing us kind of what <laughs> what you can do I bumped the mic <laughs> yeah it's all good yeah no it's just but that was the story behind why I did that yeah uh, it was because like I I really really wanted to force my way out of my hole Mm. and the only way to do that I mean to me my strength is meeting people is talking to people and that would over time I felt you know would just get me away like from my dark darkest moments which is to be around people with energy you know like to me I could it's such a great feeling to like listen to other people and their ideas they think that they can solve the world and do this and do that that was inspirational, and that's why like, I went to those meetups. Awesome. So you'd consider your superpower the ability to connect with them, inspire them, kind of um, be an ear to them. Is that? I wouldn't say like that's my superpower. Um, like, like I think that was where the light was leading me to mm-hmm. to get out of my cave. Right. What's really interesting is um, <clears throat> I've also felt the same way. Is when you're feeling down, when I'm feeling down, and you're in a place where you you are in a in a world of suffering or pain or whatever, being of service to other people, um, connecting with other people, listening to other people, uh, um, sharing their own journeys gets you out of that that self-reflective mindset and it puts you into another headspace of there's uh, there's other worlds outside of your own mental models yeah and i think because all of us play mental models in our head and we think that the world revolves around us right and we think Mm -hmm. that when we fail the entire world is pointing their finger at us saying haha or whatever that might be we realize that that's not there's so many people just trying to live their lives and trying to trying to you know be their own hero for other people and it's by being of service, you, you can get out of that headset headspace. Yeah, but I mean, it, to each and every situation, like it, there's there's always some nuances mm-hmm. that, like I said, I mean, like, like earlier, which is um, there's no written rule, you know, like where if you if you do this, you get this. So even like when I was going out and you know, meeting people, imagine like if I didn't connect with guys like 
the Michael Sowitz, mm-hmm. you know, or yourself um, and, and other people, what I really um, kind of, uh, uh, I guess, the same outcome or a better experience. I don't know. I mean, like, I think if you don't open yourself up mm-hmm. to connect to people, then you don't have any anchors. Because I think when you when you want to get out of your hole, you need to find your anchors. When you say anchors, you mean other people that ground you, or you mean perspectives on your own situation? What do you mean by anchors? So I so, so I see it this way: if you're in a room mm-hmm. and you want people to pull you out, mm-hmm. you gotta throw that you gotta throw that hook. <laughs> so that way, these ships that are moving, because they're gonna move without you, mm. they're gonna move regardless. So you gotta find people to hook you out. Ah, that's what it is. Got it. Yeah, you're looking yeah. for momentum. You're looking for people that. That have that are moving somewhere that you can hook onto that will carry you somewhere else, mentally, emotionally. It's like your life raft. Because hmm. if you're drowning, right, you know, y- someone could throw your life raft. Yeah. But there needs to be a connection to pull you towards yeah. somewhere. Yeah. So you know, guys like you and everyone else was pulling me out of that that sinkhole. That's a that's that's a really interesting thought. Because if you're by yourself, you're sink. You're you're gonna continue to sink. That's what it means. Yeah, because yeah, you feel like you're yeah you're in your own world and you're sinking, and then you can actually throw into someone else's models of life, emotions, journeys, and you can you can jump on their bandwagon and go with them where they're going, which will mm-hmm. carry you to a new place, new insights, new people. They new, need to pull you out. Yeah, that's what it means. I mean, I could, people people need to pull you out of your rut. Mm-hmm. Where they pull you out to, it depends on some sort of connection that you have with them. If you don't, yeah. you're gonna be pulled from one hole into another hole. Mm-hmm. In terms of like entrepreneurship and, and like, if you're gonna build the skills, skill tree of abilities <clears throat> as an entrepreneur and like level up, because there's no, there's no one path to get you to where you need to go. What do you think are, are certain um, skills that entrepreneurs need to develop in order to, to level up? What do you think in terms of, because that sounds, one of them is how to get out of your own head space sounds like one of them. If you're, if you're, if you're in quicksand and you need to be able to throw an anchor on, that sounds like one ability. What other abilities or skills do you think people need to develop and how do they develop those skills? I, I, the biggest challenge, uh, you know, and one way to answer that question is, one, you gotta be committed, mm. right? It's a commitment to yourself, right? Um, and you have to des- decide, you know, because sometimes like life teaches you lessons and say, you know, that hey, this is not for you. It's like when your parents says, "Don't do this," yeah, right. So you have to decide this is what you want to do, because life will always tell you, "Hey, don't do this." That's how you're born. I mean, like that's how you're raised. Don't do this because it's gonna hurt. Mm-hmm. Well, un- entrepreneurship is the same way, right? You know, the life of success is gonna hurt, right? It means you're gonna sacrifice your family, you know, you're gonna sacrifice a lot of money, you know, you're gonna cry. Mm-hmm. It's gonna hurt. Being willing to suffer through the pain but be committed to the cause. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so, so like, if, you know, if you wanna become an, an, I mean, not even become an entrepreneur, be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about this like the, like the last time, right? You don't just become an entrepreneur, right? You don't just decide one day, you know, that you want to be a superhero, mm-hmm. right? You know, um, some superheroes are born and you can't be like them. Mm. 
you know, because not everyone like is the is the next Stephen Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Were you talking about natural skills versus cultivated over time? Correct. Uh, but I one of my beliefs is anybody can can level up to a certain level. Now maybe you don't have certain affinities, right? A natural ability. Some some people have an affinity to be amazing at baseball or or math or whatever, but you can level up if you're if your willingness of commitment over time is something that will allow you to level up so maybe you you don't start out as savvy as another entrepreneur but you can go through and you can fail your way to maybe not get to the level of elon musk maybe we're not all going to be elon musk but you will be able to get to a level where if you stopped and you look back at your past self from like 10 years ago you realize like how could i it's very it's very difficult people underestimate well they overestimate what they could do in like a week or a month but they underestimate what they could do in 10 years and so you look back at yourself over that time it almost seems like you're a, you're a different person if you stay committed to a path yeah but it's one thing like that I've learned right um, if you're comparing yourself to other people that you know have started companies you know like in their 20s and mm-hmm. have been successful whether it's 20s or 30s you know or you know it's just like on my Instagram feed where you know, there's people like that say J.K. Rowling. You know, mm-hmm. you know, um, was broke at this age, or you know, Oprah Winfrey was broke at this age, etc. You know, or like the Jack Ma's of the world, where you know uh, they were rejected by jobs like so, so many times. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you compare yourself to other people, I think that's where your false sense of positive comes in. Is like, hey, you know, this person did it when they were thirty or when they were twenty. You know. Um, I can do it too, or and because the problem is that that false sense of positive is the fact that okay, all right, wait, I'm thirty now, I'm forty now, um, and I still haven't had my exit. I can see that. I also believe that one of the great fuel sources of entrepreneurships is hope, is hope and inspiration, the belief that you can. Not that it will be easy, not that you're gonna you're gonna do it because another guy made his millions at thirty, but hope that there is a way for you to do it if you just stay on the grind. And I, I think that one one of the great fuel sources is knowing that other people can. Now the question is, what do you what do you do with that fuel source? Do you put it in your tank and allow you to get further along, or do you put, pour it all over your body and set fire to yourself, right? Because you could look at that same inspiration and and say, they're there and I'm not here. I didn't make it to where they're at. Oh, what was me? I should just quit. Or you look at it like, wow, he did it. And I don't care how long it's going to take me. I will get there. Maybe I won't do it at 30. Maybe I'll do it at 40. Maybe I'll do it at 50. But if I don't quit, I will get there eventually. Yeah, but there's <clears throat> there's working, you know, I'm, I'm sure you, you heard there's working harder and smarter, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, sure. I can. You, you can be beaten down so many times, you know, and you can just get, get back up and, and just take that shot again, you know, but trying to... You know, it's like trying to do the same thing and trying mm. to and expect to get a different result. Mm. There's other factors I feel that can help you, you know, which is like finding like a great mentor. Oh yeah, finding uh, someone with you know additional experience, mm-hmm. F- finding someone t- uh, to to add value to you where it allows you to think differently. So you're talking because uh, before you're talking about commitment. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you're not only talking about commitment, but you're talking about the willingness to um, sacrifice who you are now for what you can become, the willingness to evolve yourself in a matter of speaking. Yeah, I, well, I, I think the evolution 
<laughs> to, to, to entrepreneurs because um, you're always changing. I mean, like we were just talking about this earlier. I mean, like, you know, it's, you know, f- from your own company where y- you started with this mm-hmm. and then you evolve into doing this mm-hmm. and then in order to make them ends meet, you have to do this mm-hmm. and that. So you just have to kind of like fit kind of your own mold depending mm-hmm. on what your pain are, you know, mm-hmm. at that point in time. So, I mean, the value like of an entrepreneur to himself is, it, it, you know, it's like that, that, you know, personal fortitude. How much of it can you freaking uh, take? Because you're going to get beat. I, I don't know. I mean, like I, I, each and every day, like I always feel like that I get beat up. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I like, could you don't have a winning round. Like, you don't have three peats. Mm-hmm. You know, th- those are the lucky ones, the chosen ones. Right. But not, but not every one of us are like those guys. That's why they're rare, dude. That's why, that's why three peats are rare. Yeah, I think a lot of times with when you hear about an entrepreneur, you're like, oh, he was so successful. It's just because you haven't digged into his past. You haven't figured out like how many times he got jacked over and and, and you know what's really affected him. In terms of finding a good mentor, that old hermit in a cave, where would you suggest some people look for? Or how do they know um, where to find a good mentor? Or what are good characteristics of mentors that they, that they would seek? Ooh, it's a great question because to me, one, it, like it's a loaded question because you can have mentors that are good in life, mm-hmm. but if you've got mentors that can help you build, say, companies, mm-hmm. man, I mean, like, there's the reality side of things, and then uh, there's uh, there's kind of, you can find a good mentor that's a good person. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people mistake having a mentor um Who's who, who's a good person mm-hmm. that can kind of show you what's right, and what's wrong, like the mechanics of things, mm-hmm. versus finding a mentor to build. Let's say, for example, if you want to find a mentor, like to build the next LinkedIn, mm-hmm. you're not going to find like you know someone, you know uh, that's built you know so so many um, you know ice cream stores or whatever just because like they've been successful there and like oh they're a great mentor because they know the business Mm -hmm. so you would need someone who's got connections I mean the reality is you need connections Mm -hmm. to people to money right Um, like I was having like this conversation earlier where like uh, you can have a mentor that says oh you know like I built this business and I know so many people but that but those people like know him and then, like, if you have them as a mentor and they help you grow your business, doesn't mean that you're gonna get the same exact success as this guy. Sure. Right? He can only he or she can only open doors for you. But some people think that having a mentor is the key to your success. It's not. A mentor is supposed to be like a, your sounding board, and you are the one that's building the business. Some people think like having a mentor is gonna take you to the promised land. It's not. Well, it's yeah, it's. Receiving advice and executing it is very different, and being able to have that, you know, feeling the fear, doing it anyways, understanding the difference between strategy and tactics and execution are all very different, right? So, someone might be able to give you good strategy, but not good. You you have to execute it yourself, right? So, what? Um, can you talk to me about some times that you've had, um, like? A challenge with execution like you, you you've seen a good strategy but what has been a challenging thing about executing on a mentor strategy or what did you have to do in order to like level up on the ability to execute well 
many challenges. I, I think the biggest thing is when my ego basically says, you know, back, you got this, you know, <laughs> and then when like I don't admit to myself that I don't understand this. It's so challenging. Right. So, so, so the mentor or even your consultant that mm-hmm. says, you know, you, you need to do this, 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 et cetera. And then you just sit there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I got it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'm, I'm going to go do it. And then like, you because the mentor isn't going to roll their, usually, you know, they're not going to roll up your sleeves or their sleeves, you know, to kind of build this out with you. You're the CEO, you're the founder, you're expected to know everything. So some entrepreneurs will fake it. I was one of them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I got it, I got it. So I go there, I, I put it together, and then, you know, I try to go execute it, and then I got a different result. But that's because, like, I didn't check in, you know, with, say, like, my mentor and, you know, and say, hey, you know, before I go to execute this, is this what you mean? Mm-hmm. Those are things like, that I didn't do. Mm. It's, it's the communication. Yeah. So... Just because you met it with someone and you say you got it doesn't mean that you go out and just build it and then see what happens. Really, though, your relationship should be um, they share this with you. You plan out. You work with a mentor and you iterate off of what was shared mm-hmm. over time. Then you go and, you know, and execute on the idea. I think the faults idea is the fact that like a, you want to respect your mentor's time mm-hmm. and say okay all right that person gave me really good feedback I, i'm gonna go do it because that's what i'm supposed to do <laughs> no i mean like uh, your your interpretation might be different the first time around mm-hmm. you need to go back you know like i can talk to your mentor and say is this what you mean because their vision could be different from yours yeah one thing you talked about that, there's actually some advice you gave me recently that I really appreciated that's on the same point. You're talking about mental models. So your mentor has a mental model in his head, something that he's defined as, okay, in order to play this game, here's what you need to do. Uh, X, Y, and Z, go execute it. In your mind, you, for ego reasons or whatever the reasons are, you don't get the absolute clarity. You only get one touch point and you go, I've got it. You run off and you do a major execution. But what you, what's in your head, your mental model is drastically different than his. And unless you build a little bit and iterate and show each other and say, this is what I've got, you have this misalignment. And then all of a sudden you have massive energy and then investment. And then you have one of those... <coughs> Then you have one of those investments of time where you have a time sink and you're like, but I put so much time in this execution of this mental model. I'll, I'm just going to put it in anyways, which then you're now at drift with them, which puts you out of sync. Correct. You gave me some advice recently about customers and actually how to keep consistent mental models with them with after a customer call, you do X, Y, and Z to realign. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and what that looks like? Oh, wait, which one? I mean, um, give me an example. So, Sorry. if you're if you're talking to a customer uh, and you have a, a very a very interesting um, meeting with them, and they describe to you the the benefits of your product, the use cases of your products, and the things that they could do, and you go, "Yes, got it." Then after that, you don't just go off and start building that. You then do some things to align yourself with the customer to make sure that you're both in sync at the same mental model, right? Right, right, right. You want to talk about what that is and how you work at that with your current company? So I think like what you're referring to was when you're interviewing uh, a client, you know, and they tell them, like, say, your problems or your issues. Mm-hmm. And then I think like one of the things that you did was 
you went and tested out um, what they were saying or doing mm-hmm. by interviewing uh, their team. I, is that what you're referring to? Oh, I'm saying I'm referring to of um, when you we talked before about you know building out a deck of saying this is what you said, this is what we have, and does it mean? Oh. So in terms of a product, product iteration for alignment, not just with mentors and saying this is your strategy of this, but also in terms of product development with what a customer or a client asks for versus what you have and what you could build for them. Mm. I <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> got some allergies. Mm-hmm. So. I think when we were talking at the time was when I was asking you to go through and tell me your pitch. Mm-hmm. And what I, what, I, what I noticed in your pitch was you, your idea was so detailed mm-hmm. in terms of structure mm-hmm. that as a customer, I'm not so sure that you're connecting with me and my pain points and my problems. Mm-hmm. So so I think what we were talking about at the time was, okay, so start over and and walk me through that you understand my journey mm-hmm. right and talk to me without showing product features mm-hmm. and tell me so, um, what I'm doing and help me discover what where and what I need to fix so, does that make sense yeah so mm-hmm. you're saying that okay that um, hi mr. customer and or client um, from what I'm understanding, I went away and I, and, I, and, I, and I put together some information, something that is written, detailed, drawn, or designed, and mm-hmm. I'm going to put down and I'm going to present to you. Is this what you said about your journey? Is this mm-hmm. where you're at? And is this where you're trying to go? And if we had product X, Y, and Z here, mm-hmm. would that help fill your needs of what would help you on your journey? Would this be a tool for you, a thing for you to help you get to where your destination is, right? To help them on their own journey or path. Right. I, I think... And I mean, in, the, in that context, it was more about like how <clears throat> you're showing them mm-hmm. what you're doing versus telling them like you know like how, like how you're making sausage. Here's what we're gonna do to help you do this. Yeah. Most clients don't care about those things, right? Yeah, it's focusing on mechanism versus focusing on the result, right? Saying, exactly. Hey, we really want this. You know, you yeah. don't. We as entrepreneurs are enamored with our mechanism. We are enamored with our product. We we are so focused on ourselves that we're not, like you said before, helping someone on their own journey, mm-hmm. being enthralled with what they're doing, <clears throat> and understanding that hey, this might be a tool to help you yeah. get from where you're at to where you want to go. Yeah. I, since we're talking about this, okay. Says so like I think like I remember now. Um, I think. When you're talking about your product, mm-hmm. again, it just kind of ad hoc. I mean, mm-hmm. just focusing like on your product, which is as a business owner, you're telling me how you did this, mm-hmm. right? To me, to be honest with you, I mean, like, I don't care how, how you did it, mm-hmm. right? Because you're really excited, mm-hmm. like the mechanics, yeah, how you built this, did this to get this outcome. But by the time you explain to me what the outcome means, you know or how you got there, you spent like 30 minutes of my conversation and you only have, you know, 45 minutes of my time. Yeah. So you, so you spent like a, the the bulk of, of the time that you have with me, explain like the, the how it works, that you've already lost me. Yeah. I think that was where like I was going with, like when I was, you know, when we had this conversation where you were so busy on the mechanics, mm-hmm. you just didn't get, get to the point. Cause I think s- small business owners, you know they're nice enough to give you the time mm-hmm. but all they care about is you know how can you keep my doors open yeah 
Yeah. How, how do you help me and help me grow my business, grow my community, yeah. grow my customers, grow my income, grow my revenue? Yeah. And then focusing on that. Yeah. Yeah. Because like if you're focusing on, on the mechanics, like how you built this tool mm-hmm. to help your business, I mean, I could. 90% of that just goes in one ear and out the other ear. Yeah, being pleasant. Yeah. Oftentimes, it's it's funny, I've noticed this too, that you get a lot of false signals when building out products is that mm-hmm. people want to be nice and they don't want to hurt your feelings. Mm-hmm. And so they, they come up to you and... They do a lot of nodding. They go, uh-huh, yeah, that's great, yeah. yeah. One of the things that um, when I was in the, in, the, in the food truck space and young food truck people would come up and go, how do we get started? What do I need to do? Instead of them spending all their focus on brands and messaging and stuff like this, I was like, here's a simple test. It's how far can you remove yourself from the product to get honest feedback from your customers? So I'd have them go and say, okay, build one or two, three items that you think would be valuable, right? And then go to some event where there'd be people, your type of customers and go, hi, um, I was hired by this owner. He's too scared to get honest advice from you. So he hired me to get direct feedback. I don't care at all what you say about this product. I don't care what you say about this food. I just want to get honest feedback so I can go back and tell him because he is not comfortable getting that honest feedback. So please try this. Give me your honest feedback. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to present it back to him to try to give your customer the air of being honest so that you can adjust it quicker because so many times people say oh this is great and they smile and walk away and they go my product's great you know and you get that 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 validation and then you run off and you you incorrectly build and execute and build a whole company right. around a product because the interpretation i was wrong i mean, mm-hmm. I mean that that false sense of I mean, or, or that that nod mm-hmm. wasn't a nod that you know they get your product they just want you to shut the fuck up. Yeah, the nod was like, this is an uncomfortable situation and I don't want to feel this way, so please carry on. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, I, I mean, <clears throat> listening to customers like isn't just looking at their facial expressions and stuff, right? It's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's getting different perspectives, right? You know, so it's interviewing them, uh, their team, their cohorts, or, you know, and their, and or their clients. Mm-hmm. So. In the area of like, for like a like a young entrepreneur getting started on this kind of on this path on this journey, I mean, what do you think? Would you recommend is the the game they play? What do you think they should focus on? What are things that are a waste of time? What are what do you think is a uh, you know um, irrelevant side quests that that they that you see them just spending too much time into? And how would you get them to to take the shortest path to where they need to go? Well. I think like one of the things is that I've been learning, like even for myself, and you know, I've tried this with a few other <clears throat> um, entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. is do like a do like a time assessment of yourself, right? You know, twenty four hours in a day, um, like like I actually put together like a spreadsheet like for somebody earlier, mm-hmm. where I'm like, okay, so so like how much time uh, do you need to sleep? How much time do you, you go to the gym like, that you need? Do you have any girlfriend time? Drive time? I mean, like, I went down to the detail with them, right? And <clears throat> on average, mm-hmm. even if you had one or two jobs, mm-hmm. right? But but let's say, you know, you know, ideally it's about, you know, eight to nine hour, you know, job that you have to commit to. You're pro- I mean, I'd, including gym, drive time, and everything else, you, you probably have anywhere between four 
five to six hours to do your side side or your dream hustle, mm-hmm. your, your dream gig. Most people that I found is, you know, they they make excuses. Oh, um, I I wasn't ready for it. Um, uh, like I'm still working on it. Right. I'm like, dude, do you have any any of your ideas on, on paper? Mm-hmm. They don't. But I see that they, ha- you know, that they go to the bars, they hang out, etc. You know, I mean, to me, it's <clears throat> to answer your question, get serious about it. Right. I mean, you, you do your self-assessment, do mm-hmm. the math and you say, hey, you know, I've got five or six hours in a day. Mm-hmm. What am I going to commit and dedicate to in terms of building like this one got to have moment? I gotta build this thing, you know, um, or else uh, it's not gonna work. And, and I also think, I mean, it depends on the individual too, because like you've got people like who who have time on their hand and they think it's or hands uh, and they think it's cool to become an entrepreneur like everybody else. I mean, there's those people, and then there's those people who, who get lucky. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, like uh, I'm not as lucky like as as many people. You know, you know, like I bust my ass. You know, mm-hmm. like I work a lot. Um, you know, and to be honest, I still got lucky. Like I think, even this last startup, mm-hmm. you know, like as successful as, as it's you know as it has been, mm-hmm. I think I got lucky. Mm-hmm. You know, but do you, I made my own luck. What I was gonna say is, is it is it luck or is it just uh, the the probability of how many times do you do a startup? How many times do you fail, and are you willing to learn from those failures, so that eventually, when you have the right opportunity, because you have a tool belt of failures to pull from, you can go, "Oh, I remember this trick," and and do you I mean do you mind talking a little bit about what your company is and what you do? So the current company is called Creator IQ. We're one of the largest um, SaaS enterprise companies uh, in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, it you know it tracks you know manages I mean everything from payments uh, to helping brands be you know compliant mm-hmm. you know when they're posting online to fr- fraudulent followers I mean the list goes on it's full full end to end SaaS enterprise system um, I mean building that company I mean like you know dedicating what probably six seven years of my life I I you know like I was married Mm -hmm. you know um the person didn't believe uh in the vision Mm -hmm. you know so like I had to choose between that and this and and doing the company thing then you know I mean like many entrepreneurs uh not having a real social life. I mean, the sacrifices to get to this point. I mean, like it's it's been hard, like as an entrepreneur, because like uh, at the end of the day, like when you look at like friends uh, that are going to weddings and bachelor parties, uh, you know, and they're getting married, and they're having kids, and you look at yourself in the mirror. <clears throat> I mean, like whether you're successful, you know, by however definition you say you have. I mean. I, I still ask myself, like, till today, is was it worth it? Mm-hmm. I don't have an answer for it. Because I, since I don't know what's going to make me happy. Because when I ask myself today, like, like even the company that I have, is, 
is that enough or you need another one? And when you're an entrepreneur, most most of us will say, I need another one. It's like a high, dude. Mm-hmm. You know, then you also end up becoming selfish as well. Uh, dude, like I've I've gone through so many re- realizations like the past year because I, like I'm at a different point in my life, mm-hmm. you know, where shit, I mean, you know, like I've, this past year, I think I told you that I uh, became a, a digital nomad mm-hmm. where I, I got rid of everything, you know, because like I just want to start fresh. It's it's not worth it to to have all that weight. Well, no, I, I well, what happened was like I was getting comfortable, you know. So mm. so I was listening to to, to one of um Jack Ma's uh, infamous quotes, right? Mm. <clears throat> Where like you live in a house, great house, right? And then uh, <clears throat> most people don't go up to the roof of their house again. Like like I'm I'm paraphrasing this, sure, you know, but um. Most people don't go up to the roof of their house and check to see if there are any leaks. Most people will only check the leak when it rains. Mm. That's because they have this house and they're comfortable living in the house. Mm. Everything's great until shit happens. Yeah. So he was saying how when it rains, by the time you go up to the roof and fix the leak, it's too late. That's what it means to be comfortable. Yeah. So what I was doing was like I was trying to, you know, beat the rain yeah it's funny what that reminds me of i don't know if you ever listened to uh dan carlin's hardcore history mm-hmm. it's a podcast where uh there's a amazing uh, episode called uh, uh rise of the Khan, and it's about genghis khan and the the mongols had one of the biggest problems of keeping china because what happened is the mongol hordes would come in they'd take over china they would start to marry chinese women mm-hmm. they would get super comfortable super soft and then china would then take them back over and it wasn't until i think the the i think his name was like the the, the golden horde or something like that uh he had like a patch of the mongolian steppe inside his inside his um area right right outside of china and he would he would rotate all the mongols so they would never get soft and you'd, you'd send them to the step and so it'd mm. stay hard bring fresh ones in and bring them out mm-hmm. and it's like unless you find a way to consistently stay uncomfortable you will get soft and comfortable so that sounds like what you're trying to do yeah. is by trying to be able to how do you find ways to make yourself uncomfortable so you stay hard you stay lean you stay mean versus big fat comfortable rich guy it's so easy i mm-hmm. mean whatever stage of an i mean an entrepreneur you're at i mean like you know like, like i was talking to a friend earlier today i mean you know he's you know raised some money you know um you know x amount of dollars like in, in the bank mm-hmm. and you know he's got this one opportunity because he's got cash at the bank can go build out like his dream but <clears throat> thing is is that like when you don't have that money in the bank you're busting your ass to raise that half a million dollars you know mm-hmm. or like that money but once you have that money why do you shift and not be the same person like as you are today it's that it's that shifting gears to slow down it's it's because that but speed why it's a more comfortable speed yeah so so you have to throw your to me like i had to throw myself out the house really for for lack of a better word just so I can be comfortable so so yeah so you intentionally made yourself uncomfortable so that you Mm -hmm. could you could prevent any situation where you would now is that does that come from 
thinking about your original um, lesson where you you crash and burn and said, oh, I, I should have known sooner? Or what is it? Is it just the Jack Ma quote or was there some other life lesson along your path that makes you want to stay hard consistently? For personal reasons, it it's more like, you know, as an entrepreneur, like you want the taste of that exit, mm-hmm. you know, and even when you do get an exit, you want that exit to be yours, mm. you know, and I haven't had that yet. And I feel that I don't owe it to myself, you know, like I don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Like, like I don't deserve to be comfortable, yeah. but you have to think that way. Otherwise you're going to be complacent, you know? hundred percent. You feel like you haven't earned it yet and you need to earn it. And so you're continuing to earn it. Is that your holy grail or what, what drives you? Is it the big exit, the big exit that's yours or what, you know, what is that motivation that, that holy grail that you seek on this entrepreneurial path? Well, I can be frank now. I mean, to say, I mean, I think nowadays there's being a good guy and then, you know, there's always being the person that, that everybody, you know, talks about like the Gary Vaynerchuks of the world mm-hmm. you know so like I hear people oh you must subscribe to that kind of Gary Vaynerchuk and fuck this and fuck everybody etc whatever you know I'm like no that's not true I, and not everyone's like him mm-hmm. um, I think to to kind of sum it up I mean like I've just been assessing myself and seeing like you know what kind of person have I become Right, because you know, like I'm, I'm a little bit older now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like you know, like I'm gonna, have, you know, like I have this this company here, um, but I don't know what it means to me, you know. So, all my life, like I was trying to build a company, raise money, mm-hmm. you know, to try to build a company, and and then what does it mean now? Like, like I'm actually struggling to to figure out. Um, Why aren't you happy? Mm. It's really the the question because everyone's you know will tell me, back you know you've helped build this company, you know why aren't you happy? I don't know. Like uh, I, I've learned more and more. Like um, being an entrepreneur, and you know take to kind of full circle this. Yeah, being an entrepreneur, I, I think like, again we were talking about this. You got to be egotistical. Mm. You got to be crazy, mm-hmm. right? You know, I mean, like when Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs referred like, you know, you being foolish, mm-hmm. you know, the crazy ones, that's what an entrepreneur is, right? Like, you just can't accept that you have something. You just want more, right? You can't accept, oh, shit, finally I have something normal. You can't accept that. Because then you'll stop being yes. the entrepreneur. Correct. And I think what it was was that like I started feeling that I, for once in my life, I might have started living a normal life. And it took the, I, I mean, the weird thing about this is that like, it was actually scary. Yeah. I didn't want a normal life. Was it scary because you were afraid that you were going to change who you are? Or is it that you didn't want that lifestyle? Was it was it an internal fear of being someone different, or li- or the the life that you're going to have was like accepting that that lifestyle? It's a little bit of everything, right? I mean, th- the number one thing was I was living. I was always an entrepreneur, 
it might be this room. Yeah. That <coughs> could be, excuse me. So I was always an, an entrepreneur and I'm, I'm always hustling. Mm-hmm. And I'm always trying to raise money. I was trying to build something. And then these past several years where I'm actually building something mm-hmm. and it's leading to something. Mm-hmm. And then there's better structure. There's more stability. It's growing. And like when you're not used to growth, because all your life you've been working towards growth mm-hmm. and you're in this position, it's again, it's a new thing. <clears throat> it's interesting because it sounds like, and correct me if you're wrong, if I'm wrong here, your holy grail originally as a startup guy was to go from a startup concept to a hyper growth company to be that big growth company, you know, uh, SaaS, enterprise, corporate. <coughs> it sounds like it first started with uh, online education, right? Uh, mm-hmm. SaaS product, right? To dating application as, a, as another type of online product. And you had this goal, this holy <coughs> grail. And then once you reached the holy grail, it morphed, it changed. It was no longer that thing that you wanted. It became something different. You're like, why isn't this holy grail what I thought it was? It is now something different. And now there's a new one, X amount in the future that you have to seek. It's not the new one. It's that like, holy shit. Going back to what we just talked about moments ago, it's, it's holy shit, I'm trying to become normal. Mm. Do you feel that <clears throat> being an entrepreneur, you 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 have to be perpetually unhappy or do you think you can have happiness and contentment and also be a a thriving entrepreneur i i think it depends on the tribe that you run with because by yourself you're an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. the tribe that you run with will probably not fall far from you <clears throat> Meaning that like, if they're building companies, you're building companies. Mm-hmm. If they're in, in corporate, right, and you're building a company, you know, um, you're just friends. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I mean, I mean, it's hard to say, man. And like... Like we all want to have like this sense of belonging, and we want and we want to pick tribes, and you're constantly stuck with like so many different groups, family, friends, coworkers. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I can only say that being an entrepreneur is such it's such a lonely world, dude, because mm-hmm. no one can really relate you because like you have friends who are in corporate, they can't relate to you. Yeah, it's the difference from clocking in and clocking out as a typical consumer versus you need to hunt and kill and catch your own food and you need to be able to perpetually be able to feed this baby of a machine that's growing, right? And and you have a fear that if you get comfortable and you catch that meal that then you'll become complacent and you won't be able to continue to evolve. Do you... I'm just curious if... I mean, is it is it the is that the the burden that all entrepreneurs must bear is being able to be perpetually unhappy in order to perpetuate a life of you have a choice of uh, achievement and um, and whatever you want to call it, achievement, success, validation, significance, growth versus contentment, happiness, um, 
um, f- family fulfillment, those, do you feel like they're completely opposed to each other? I, I think so. I, I, well, <clears throat> it's, it's a little bit of both. It's almost like the yin and the yang, mm-hmm. right? But, um, but like, like I mentioned, like as an entrepreneur, you're very egotistical. Mm-hmm. It's always about you. It's, it's a selfish, to become an entrepreneur, it's a selfish nature. Yeah. The challenge with that is when you're talking about how in order for you to evolve and get better, when you get advice and feedback from your mentors, you have to be egotistical enough to think and believe that you can do it, but humble enough and willing to know that you don't understand it all to take that feedback from a mentor, to have it suck into your brain, to be able to say, I am, I know that I don't know, but I have belief and faith in myself enough that I will figure this out. And that seems like a very difficult dynamic and to be able to balance those two things at the same time, willing to know that you will figure it out, but you really don't know and you need you need that that guidance. I think in my lifetime, like I've only seen one person that's able to do that very well. Um, like I won't name any names and stuff, you know, so mm. but this person ha- has mentors, mm-hmm. but is aware enough to know how to take that kind of feedback and grow or build onto that mm-hmm. and humble enough to come back and say, hey, what do you think of this? Mm. How did I do? Not many people have that kind of discipline because I think when it works out, you know, um, they get the credit, but they never give the mentor the credit. Mentor rarely gets the credit, right? But if it doesn't work out, sometimes they blame the mentor, mm. you know? But there's, like I said, like there's only one person like that I know uh, that, I mean, being an outside observer has been the best at doing this. And I think so many, me- so many mentees or just individuals like, like as entrepreneurs, it's never their fault, dude. I have... R- in my personal experience, I've never heard an entrepreneur say it was my fault. Wow. Do you think that's just a defense mechanism so that they can protect their ego? Is that what it is? Or is it like, why, why do they do that? Is it just because, well, it makes them look bad. It makes them look like a failure in Mm. front of their peers. Mm. I mean, like the interviews, like, that you had, if you ask like an entrepreneur, hey, what led you to your failures, et cetera, right? Count them. I mean, like how many of them said, you know, it was my fault. It was never their fault. It was because of this deal, because of this person, bad timing, we, we didn't get enough funding. Yeah. If, if something goes wrong, it's <clears throat> external forces. If something goes right, it was my own genius. Yeah. 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 Most people, I, I, I mean, I, I, so I don't know what it is, but but they I get it you, you have to protect yourself mm-hmm. you know investors are listening you know and, this is, and you don't want to be blamed for it and you don't want to admit to it yeah let me ask you this, this one question what do you do or what do you recommend people to do entrepreneurs young entrepreneurs to armor up against uh these failures to armor up against their own <clears throat> egotistical nature to to how do they 
what do they do or what what activities can they do on a, on a daily, weekly or whatever basis to be able to 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 build up this resilience, uh, this this discipline, this uh, uh, humble uh, nature? Is there any activities or this or to combat against the natural depressions that come being an uncomfortable entrepreneur? <clears throat> A few things again. I mean, it's just, you know, it's like one of our kind of themes so far is that like there's no playbook, mm-hmm. but I think from that one individual like that I mentioned to you, like like it's been the the one individual like that I've I've witnessed that has done it very well mm-hmm. is to be open, mm-hmm. right? And not only to be open, but you can open your time to them, mm-hmm. but you're not listening to them. So listen. Um, I myself included is like when you do listen, you we're all so quick to jump and respond, mm. right? So the other thing is digest it first. Like, like what are you listening to? I mean, like what are they really telling you, right? We're we're so quick to listen and react, but we don't listen and mentally digest what's going on. And then the other thing is that like, we're so quick to say, okay, all right, here's what I'm gonna do next. But what you should do is put together, put together a plan. Mm-hmm. That's the right way to do it. Put together a plan, take a step back, m- maybe take a break mm-hmm. and go back to it and see what, see like how well you did. Should you tweak it here and there? That's <clears throat> discipline like that a, a lot of entrepreneurs don't do. But it's a discipline like that, that this friend of mine does very well, right? I mean, like, um, I was actually um, in a meeting some time ago or whatnot, right? And a friend was saying how, you know, th- this person um, told told him to prepare for a board meeting on um, on Monday, but to prepare for board meetings, like like on your Monday, you need to put together this draft by Friday and review it and work on it over the weekend. Well, this person didn't agree with it. You know, like, I'm listening to him disagreeing to this, or this person, (laughs) I gave it away already. This person disagreed to it, but the person doesn't know that I have experience that that method does actually work. Mm -hmm. Where I was actually taught by my friend, you know, who's this good, like, you know, like at listening to people. And he would teach me, Vac, before you start your Monday, right, list out three things you want to accomplish for the week, right? And then he's like, forget all all the to-do list. Mm -hmm. List them out and then plan out how how you're going to accomplish those things. And like, I know it's not like a, an original thought because other, other people say that too, mm-hmm. but it, it's a mechanic that is more of a discipline, right? So entre- most entrepreneurs don't have that kind of discipline. Yeah. Because we're very reactive. We think, oh, go with the flow, be on the fly and do this. I mean, it's cool to do this, whatever. No, I mean like seeing how the current company or what else is like uh, like has grown like the way it has 
I appreciate so much more about structure than I have been uh, all my life like as an entrepreneur. Because it really has been the tortoise and the hare. Because in this case, I'm witnessing the tortoise winning. Mm. So it's kind of uh, when you get feedback, don't just react, respond, and be able to take some of that excitement and apply discipline to the excitement, which is super difficult as an energetic entrepreneur. But it's how you respond, right? Because some people respond with ideas. Mm. You should respond with questions so you know. Because people say, oh, I can do this, I can do that. No, no, no. That's not the response that you should be doing. Yeah. Respond respond by asking ways that you know and learn more. That, that you're actually understanding what's being said. So that way you, you continue to listen to, to, to what's being said versus giving that haptic feedback yeah. and saying, oh, may, maybe we should do okay. this. No one asks you for that. Yeah. It's that quick validation versus I'm really seeking to understand you, whether you are a customer, a mentor, yeah. a co-founder. Yeah. And yeah, it's the, did you, did you mean this? That, that, that should be the opening line. Like when you're mm-hmm. listening to a mentor mm-hmm. or someone says, did you mean this? Mm-hmm. Right. And it says, and by that, can, can I come back with you, you know, and draw it out to make sure like I'm clear on this. Mm-hmm really really digging in to the meaning to their mental model to being like this is is this what you meant yeah. let's go let's both be completely aligned before running off and spending a whole bunch of energy yeah. on something that may not make sense yeah and and most entrepreneurs don't practice uh the art of writing stuff down writing what's in there it says yeah like i go through so many entrepreneurs like where they'll say oh it's on my head Mo, I probably say eighty percent of entrepreneurs do that. It's all in my head, right? Shit, I'm sorry, but you, you included. <laughs> You're like it's yeah. all in my head. I'm 100%. like, hundred percent. I'm like, no, no. It's just, um, if your mentor or someone else that's helping you out, they don't see it, mm-hmm. right? That's not fair in terms of a two bilateral communication, right? Because when the person that you're talking to, you know, here you say it's it's on your head. In my opinion. It's more of a, of a sign of like disrespect because then now you've put the curtains on them because they don't know what's in your head. Mm. You have to look at it like from that point of view. When you say it's on my head, that means you just took all my information and you're just gonna and you're just going to do whatever you want with it. A two-way dialogue is a okay. So I'm gonna draw it out and see see what you just told me. So then like, you have this natural engagement with them, right? Where it's continuous, where, where it's not one way because someone tells you something and you say, oh, I got it, it's on my head. And you walk away with it. Do you feel that's more, it's just ex- kind of like an extraction versus like, we're, I'm taking this information versus I'm gonna collaborate <laughs> with you on this and I'm gonna, is it, do you think it, it feels more of a... It, it's not the extraction it's more the fact that like the other person uh, that you're talking to now f- would feel that that they're cut off, right? Mm. Again, it's it's neither here or there. It's that like someone's trying to help you, mm-hmm. and you, you know, and you walk away. Oh, I got this. Like, stop that statement from there. Think about it, right? When you meet up with someone, and someone says, "Okay, I got this," 
and you walk away. And most of the time, you don't hear from them for a long time. Yeah. As a UX person, what kind of experience you're giving that person that you just engaged with versus your experience? Because then it goes back to my point. It's all about the ego. Yeah. Because you took it, you ran away with it, and that's it. No one else matters to you now. Versus you're saying that one of the best things you do for a mentor or anybody is to give them feedback, right? Even to your employees. It, it's mm. a, actually, it even trickles down to your employees. What happens like when you explain something to your employee, mm. right? And they say, I got this. Don't you say, well, can you give me a list of tasks of what you're going to do? You know, and send it to me in my inbox by so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Just be, you're their boss. That's why you ask for that. But imagine like if your employees just said, I got this, don't worry about it. And they walk away. Yeah. You, you, you feel like the, they don't want to take the time or put in the effort to be able to really connect. Right. C- close the loop. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like connect with you, close the loop. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the whole point of like working in a collaborative, mm-hmm. it's the term collaborative, right? Mm-hmm. You wanna collaborate with the people that you wanna work with. So you're looking for this loop back, right? Yeah. But when someone walks away, you know, with X information, you know, and you're not sharing it, that's, that really is what most entrepreneurs do. Like, yeah. like they don't see the value in listening, digesting, reciprocate you know kind of come back and say hey you know this is what you mean etc it's it's a whole lot of discipline yeah and that's what i'm learning like i do it too by the way i mean like you know like i didn't realize this until i realized someone was doing it to me and then i'm like oh shit i was doing to somebody else (laughs) you know what i mean yeah so it's no one's fault it's just like oh shit i was that prick too you get the perspective yeah, but that, totally. That comes. Yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. Um. Uh. Thank you, Vac. I, I appreciate you coming on here. I really enjoyed this talk and uh, all the feedback um, you've given, and uh, lots to think about. Yeah. Um. With the final question, um, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, how would they reach out to you? Mm, hello at Vaxter.com. Hello at Vaxter.com. Yeah. All right. Beautiful. All right. Thanks for coming on, brother. Yeah, I appreciate it. Good. Anytime.